Thanks for the victory lap though Whoa, whoa They ain't never seen nothing like this before Lit the room when I came through the front door Ask me if I should suffer come work for Train in the trees, please Welcome to The Raj Project, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family, tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Tomokov, and I'm your host. What's in this podcast for you? Here you will grasp life-changing advice to help you level up in every aspect of your life and business and to help you reach your goals and dreams. And as always, all content is 100% real, raw, and I'm filtered. Today, I have a very special guest on the podcast. Um, her name is Courtney Turner, and she was born with a congenital rubella syndrome, which rendered her with several health and medical complications included, but not limited to unilateral blindness, bilateral hearing impairment, uh, heart complications, hypotonia, fine and graphic motor impairment, uh, stunned growth and asymmetrical bone development. Her parents were basically told that the best they could hope for was to find a nice institution for her to spend the rest of her life. The prognosis was so dismal that no one expected that she would be walking, talking, and certainly not exhibiting great feats of athleticism. All human beings are designed to move and the ways in which they do are their unique creative expression. So, Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh, my God. So we were talking about this before I hit record, and, and I think I got chills down my spine by just reading your bio. And, you know, I, I'm personally, I'm a believer that miracles happen because both of my kids are IVF children. And I was told that I could never have kids. Oh. Um, and so, so I'm a firm believer of that. But reading your bio was like, holy shit, this is like an act of a miracle. So let's go back to that time. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, that time when, you know, you were given this prognosis, right? And what was going through your mind? Because I think that that was probably the time when you had the biggest mind shift of your life, when you realized, okay, I have two choices, right? I, I could limit myself to the way I operate in life, or I can continue to thrive and grow. So let's go back to that time. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what was going through your mind when you discovered that? So uh, that prognosis was actually, I was an infant. So don't know that I, I have very, very early memories, but not quite that early. Okay. Uh, although what I will say is I do think there absolutely must have been a mind shift. I think it was probably even earlier. I think, you know, not to get too woo-woo or mystical, but, you know, we're, there's something like a one in a four trillion chance, percent chance of humans even being born. So I very firmly believe that my spirit had, you know, a desire to be here. I have a very strong will and a fight in me. And I think that that was there really even from conception. I was going to right. fight to be here. And I'm not sure I don't, I was very, very young. So obviously I can't really tell you, you know, what that shift was. But I do think, you know, I have... I always have had the kind of personality and temperament 
to be a fighter and to say that, you know, I have a strong will and I'm going to make the most of the, you know, really the hand that I was dealt. And mm-hmm. I think that's a choice that all human beings have. I am a strong believer that everybody faces challenges. Um, I know that mine are, you know, somewhat unique. Congenital rubella is pretty rare. Yeah. Most people are not even familiar with it. And most children do not, you know, survive if they have it. And if they do, you know, their quality of life is is usually not very uh good so I recognize that I was very fortunate and I also recognize that I really fought to be here and to make the most of it and I think that that's a huge part of my message is that because we all face challenges and so while mine may have been very great from early onset and they may be unique in uh you know in what I was dealing with I think that the lessons that can be learned from my experience are not unique. I think that everybody has their challenges, things that they're facing, and for them, mm-hmm. they're of great magnitude because we only have uh, our perspective, which which we go through the world. So, absolutely, you know, a, a couple of things I, I I heard you say, and, and I wanted to elaborate upon this. You're absolutely right. We're all human beings. We're, we're not really that much different from each other because we're all humans Mm -hmm. and we all go through our own set of battles and challenges in life you know some of us are more fortunate than others this is something that i try to remind myself every day is to express gratitude because you know what there's always someone less fortunate out there and in fact you know when it comes to this podcast you know there's a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of dreamers that listen to this episode and for me personally, I think it's taken me a long time to really realize that, you know, gratitude and truly understanding yourself. And like you said, the card that you were dealt does not necessarily define the person that you can become Absolutely. because you get your actions and your choices, yes. you know, make that happen. I think there's a lot of people in society specifically that think that, Okay, so I've been impaired, whether it's physically or emotionally, and therefore I should confine to those circumstances because it's the card that I've been dealt. And honestly, I see that as one giant challenge. I see it like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go out there and dominate because you know what? You live one life. You live only once. And most times, you only have one chance to seize that moment because that moment will never come by again. And so that's why I think in the beginning when, you know, I was reading your bio, it was very chilling in a good way because, you know, suddenly it made me think, well, you know what, Ivan, maybe shit isn't so bad because let's face it, we all have problems in life, in our relationships, finances, whatever. But at the end of the, at the, end of the day is we still get to make choices and take actions. So we're not defined by our circumstances. And I think that's exactly what you've done, even though you were so young. You know, I think that was sort of, you know, the basis of, you know, how you realize that you, you can do anything you want in life and you shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel confined by the fact that, well, you know what? I was diagnosed with congenital rubella syndrome. So therefore I should live by that. And let that allow that to dictate the course of my life. 
and you didn't enhance wives I was reading through you know your your bio is you know this kind of a prognosis obviously you know uh, affects your growth your gross motor skills basically everything but for you you did not allow that to do that you said you know what I'm going to dominate. I'm going to do whatever it is that I choose to do because I'm a human being. And honestly, for entrepreneurs specifically who listen to this podcast, I mean, I can stress this enough that that mindset, that mind shift of realizing how much potential you really have. And like you said, one in 400 trillion chances to be conceptualized. And I wholeheartedly believe that because as I mentioned this in, in before we hit record, six years ago, me and my wife were told that we couldn't naturally conceive. Right. We just couldn't. There, 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 there was something that the doctors could not find. Of course, a few rounds of IVF later, and I have two beautiful and 100% healthy children. So you know what? It was one in or two in 400 million or 400 trillion chances. <laughs> There's always a chance. That's just it. There's always a chance. And I think that in this day and age, in this society where there's so much mediocrity and hatred and violence and whatnot, I think we as human beings get so immersed into all of that minutia that we forget that, you know, why don't you just, when was the last time you went outside and maybe just sat on the bench and you enjoyed, you know, the tweeting birds? or the air, or just looked in the sky, you know? And, and I, honestly, this is also, you know, not so distant reminder for me because we just had a family member who passed away a couple of months ago. And, you know, you know what? You know, at 40 years old, I've come to the realization that, you know what? One day the lights will go out. They just will. And that is the inevitable. There's nothing that we can do that. That is the one card that we as human beings have been dealt. But you know what? I sure as shit would rather spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how to make the most of it. And I think that's exactly what you've done is, you know, instead of allowing this prognosis to dictate the course of your life, I mean, you are, you know, you've gone, you've, you're very athletic from what I was reading to you and you veered into a lot of different directions in your life, which I want to talk about. So, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about, okay. So you knew this prognosis mm -hmm. now, what I specifically want to know is, can you, I mean, because obviously you were very young, but as you were growing up, you became more cognizant of that, right? So at what point were you like, you know, when did you have that mind shift of basically, you know, saying, okay, I've got choice one is allow this prognosis to dictate my life or choice two is live my life the way I want to live it. I mean, at, w at what point did you, did you recall that time? So I always find this question to be really fascinating because the reality is I don't think I've had a linear path in that regard. I think I've experienced tremendous vicissitudes in, with respect to that mindset because, because of the uh, variances of the challenges that I've had to face, there's, you know, some it's not like one thing is difficult for me. You know, it's not like I'm completely blind and I had to figure out, okay, I need to navigate this world as a blind person or I'm deaf and I need to, I didn't fit into a nice little box in any capacity. Um, you know, I'm partially blind. I'm partially deaf. I, 
you know, deal, dealt with a lot of uh, fine graphic motor challenges, um, you know, so a lot of things like school, athletics, learning capacities were very challenging for me, and yet they were things that I really enjoyed. So it was really a challenge to figure out how to navigate, and things were very different from a very young age, and then as I was, you know, getting older and becoming more socialized in the world, realizing going from a very young child with this determined kind of, you know, passion for life and wanting to overcome challenges and take on mm -hmm. challenges, actually. I really have a, I'm very dream, driven by intrinsic satisfaction. So I actually enjoy, you know, taking on things that are very difficult and figuring out how to overcome them. That That's a part of my personality. And I'm incredibly grateful for that because I think it is part of why I've been yeah. able to not only survive literally uh, but to thrive in many capacities however you know when you're younger I think a lot of people and, and people I think many people experience mm -hmm. this they're not socialized so they don't recognize what's necessarily appropriate and what you know is not so appropriate and that's for better and for worse because as children you know you think your way of dealing with the world, you're not aware of how it's necessarily so different from everybody else. So as a child, I think I had yes. much more of this kind of, you know, this is how I do things and I'm going to go continue to do them and create whatever, um, you know, buttress myself in whatever capacity I needed to. And yeah. as I got older, you know, other children and other people um, reacted to me in ways that were not always so positive. And yeah. I became more aware of, oh, I'm different. You know, we're all different. We're, we're unique. And yet, you know, we all have many things that we share in common as well. But I think, you know, as I got older, I became more aware that the rest of the world doesn't necessarily uh, view me as being like them. And children can be really mean. So, well... You know, a couple of things, not to interject that I wanted to yeah. jump jump in on that you mentioned, because I can totally relate this, you know, um, I'm an Eastern European and, and my family immigrated to the States. Uh, well, my father immigrated almost 30 years ago at this point. And, you know, some of the things that you were talking about is this, that you said difficult and you said strange and anomaly. Um, I was also someone who was bullied all through high school because I was different. You know, I was that kid that was, you know, pushed off the bus. I sat at the back of the bus. At, at one point in high school, I despised getting on the bus because I was getting so much peer pressure and bad name calling. And guidance counselor used to say, oh, this is normal. This is kids being normal. I'm like, fuck that. That is not <laughs> normal. That is not how kids are supposed to behave. And now being a father, you know, it's really uh, not so distant, you know, reminder of, how to guide, you know, my, my children to do better. But you were talking about these things. And like, I just wanted to touch upon this is because, mm -hmm. first of all, most people do the easy things. Mm -hmm. So most people don't want to tackle the difficult things. And you were talking about how you enjoy taking on difficult challenges, because it forces you to thrive. It forces you to do something and, and honestly, this is probably one of the hardest lessons I've learned in life and in business is that the most difficult things are usually the ones that are most worthwhile. They're difficult for a reason. 
because nobody else is willing to do them because they don't want to put in the time and the effort that it takes. So too many people in society and business and entrepreneurship are trying to take shortcuts because they think that that's going to be the quickest way to get from point A to B, to thrive their business, to be happier in life, make more money, you know, do better in their relationship when it's actually the complete opposite. Yes. And so, and the other thing is, is that being an anomaly, I will tell you this. I was actually one of the other podcast episodes that I did earlier today. Someone was kind of talking about this. So it's actually kind of ironic that you mentioned it um, as well as the fact that as an entrepreneur, as someone who is different, not bad different, but just different because in fact, you're your unique self, you know, God built you in a unique way for a reason. People cannot fathom that. I shit you not. People cannot fathom that. Literally, most people, this is probably 99% of society, would rather associate with average and mediocre people. You know, like back in high school that you had like the social click and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they, they just really just <clears throat> surround themselves with each other because those are the only people that they could relate to. These are the only people that will listen to their bullshit. And anytime an outsider comes in, such as yourself, right? It's like, wait, there's someone that's disrupting my environment. This is someone that is unnatural to my habitat. It's almost like you're a threat to someone's life. And I'm going to be honest with you. These days, the, the minute I understood that it's okay to be different, in fact, to accept who you are, to be yourself, my life literally took a completely different path and a good one, not a bad one, a good one. There was a higher sense of fulfillment, higher sense of happiness, higher sense of uh, appreciating the why and the purpose of what I do and why I do it. And I think this is what most people are either afraid to explore or they're just literally so oblivious to accepting someone who's different. Because honestly, this is in part why, why the Roz Project also exists. It's because it's raw. It's unconventional. It's disruptive. And it's designed because, you know what, I can go listen to a bunch of other podcasts that are conventional or other people's conventional stories. But that's not what I choose to do. And this is why you're here as a guest as well, because I'm a huge fan of unique stories. I'm a huge fan of hearing, you know, you know what, Ivan, maybe, maybe shit isn't all that bad. You know, there's people out there in the world that are homeless. You know, people like you who have dealt with an enormous amount of adversity from, from a health perspective, nothing that's materialistic, like maybe money or relationships, which can always be fixed, but something that you don't really have control over. And that's the hardest part is because I think as humans, we try to control so much because we want to be able to manifest an outcome. That is why we try to control. And honestly, there's some things that you you can control and some things that you cannot control, which on that note is is to live a happier life, (laughs) life in business, focus on what you can control. Don't worry about the things you can't control you know, because they just have their own unique way of working out. So it's interesting. I just want to elaborate upon difficult anomaly. That is a good thing. That is a good thing to have. In fact, the world needs more people like that, more unique people like yourself, because 
you you are a game changer. You know, it, you you're you're a rude awakening to society to realize that you know what enough of the bullshit that we've been dealing with. You know, realize that there's people that are less fortunate than you and appreciate every day for what you have. Because there's a lot of people don't. I'll tell you this. I've had the opportunity to, to interview some very successful people and there's only a select few, mine being on less than a hand that I can count, that truly, and not to sound condescending, that truly have a strong sense of gratitude for what they've accomplished. Totally. You know, so um, let's talk a little bit about, so there's, there's a couple of things here that I want to hear your thoughts on. Healing in terms of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual standpoint. So how did you, how did you approach those things? Like, how did you, you know, let's talk a little bit about all of those things. Like, how, how, do you, how did you, like, come about in finding peace in all of those things? So I, uh, you know, I created a show. It's called Wim, What is Movement? And in the show, we explore ways that movement heals people emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I am a firm believer that movement is a really a profound teacher and a really useful, accessible, tangible tool to help you heal in all those arenas. There's lots of things that went into my healing, my growth, my survival, my thriving. Um, but I do actually really believe that movement was a huge part of it. And one of those things that I can teach to other people because mm -hmm. pretty much all of us have the capacity to use it. And I'm a really big believer in taking things that are tangible because so much of life is abstract. So much of life, you know, like you were saying, we don't know where it's going. And as human beings, we don't deal that well with the unknown, which is ironic because, you know, it's the one guarantee in life is that we, you know, it's one of the few guarantees I should say is that we, we don't know so much, right? And we don't know what the yeah. future hold. However, hope is predicated on taking control of some aspect of the future, knowing that you have some control over some part of the future. That's actually what hope is predicated on. And so I think that movement is a really great way to build hope because, and so we tie all of this that we were talking about in together, mm -hmm. is that movement creates tangible, accessible challenges for you. And as human beings, we you know, I, I think it was Viktor Frankl, and I'm going to butcher, you know, the wording of it, so I'll paraphrase, but essentially he said, you know, as humans, we, we, are, we want a challenge that is worthy of us. That's what we're seeking. And the way I interpret that is, if you think about it, biologically speaking, you know, if the challenge is too great, then we as individuals and as a species don't survive, literally. We, we can't survive if the challenge is too great, right? Yeah. But... If we don't have enough challenge, then we're bored, we don't thrive, we literally can't adapt, so we also don't survive because that's, that's part of our, our uh, ability to propagate as a species is our ability to adapt. That's one of the things that human beings yeah. do so remarkably well. And in order to do that, we need to have demands, we need challenges, we need difficulties, hardships in order to push those boundaries. And we, you know, as an entrepreneur, right, if you don't pivot, if you don't, you're not aware of your yeah. environment, and you are not able to problem solve, your business isn't going to survive or thrive, right? You're not going to flourish. 
And I think that's just true throughout all domains of life. And movement really teaches you that because, mm-hmm. you know, no matter whether it is a, you know, a body weight movement, you're working with a set of weights, you are taking something. We've all had this experience where we see something and it looks like it's physically impossible to do. However, with when we put in the time, the effort, and we keep working at it, then it becomes easier. And that thing that, that looked impossible becomes our warm-up, right? And yeah, you know, one thing I wanted to mention that was very key that I want to elaborate upon that actually seems very counterintuitive to what human beings do is so you were talking about that as species, we have to be able to understand that uh, adaptability is key, right? I mean, we almost like you kind of, as human beings, we got to blend as chameleons, right? Yep. Uh, to, to, to continue to exist. Because like you said, if we don't have any challenges, if, if the challenge is too great, as you said, then we're incapable of over, overcoming it. But if we don't have any challenges, we're bored out of our freaking minds, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a proof. We also don't grow, right? Exactly. You need that challenge to grow. And that's right? part of how you adapt. And so you right? also don't survive if you don't have enough challenge. Yeah. Exactly. And then you said um, certainty. You, you talked about certainty and uncertainty. Yes. You know, what, what is really baffling here is this that, and, and here's how it's been proven. So 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck because they want certainty. We really they want certainty. saw that through this uh, pandemic and the lockdown, right? Exactly. Yep. The, the millions of people that filed unemployment was just mind-boggling. Literally mind-boggling. I don't think we've had this this high of an unemployment in in probably history literally but that just proved right there exactly what you were just talking about is this that with COVID-19 when it hit is how many people were dependent on certainty you know most Americans don't have more than $500 in their bank account and that is very saddening it's very saddening but at the same time it's actually very basic mm-hmm. it's because most people are afraid of uncertainty as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest things, and I think I've, I've always been comfortable with uncertainty, but I've been afraid to practice it because I was too worried about the opinions of others. It wasn't about that I didn't have the will. It, it wasn't about uh, being unwilling. It was always about, well, what others think if I did something different? And then I realized that, you know what? It's okay to do that because guess what? In a world where if people choose to live by certainty, you actually become irrelevant very quickly. If you live by certainty, because if you live by certainty, you become mediocre. If you become mediocre, you soon become obsolete. Well, I think there's also something you mentioned uh, that you alluded to, which is really, and it's certainly relevant to entrepreneurs. And I actually think movement teaches you a lot about this is I always say life is about adjudicating risk versus reward, right? So in order to really do that well, you need to know yourself pretty well, right? You need to know what risks are you capable of taking how uh what are your chances of you know uh accomplishing those and surviving those risks and as an entrepreneur certainly that's something you're constantly weighing out and there's the also the element of yes human beings are terrified of uncertainty but the reality is we also create a lot of um we uh create and it's also often it's not necessarily accurate, but we have these false certainties that we impose 
because we're so afraid of the unknown, right? But yeah. we don't really know. So sometimes we think like people think they'll take one path because it seems really secure, but that's often an illusion because we don't have the crystal ball. So even the most secure path doesn't necessarily always prove to be completely secure, right? I think know. that right there, that last sentence that you said, I think it is a, stat, a social status update in itself, a quote that needs to be plaqued because you're absolutely right, is that 99% of the time in life, in entrepreneurship, in business, we choose, as human beings, we like to choose certainty. We like to choose something that has proven to, to have success, right? Historically, like a strategy or something that everybody else does. But that does not definitively indicate that you're going to have the same outcome as whenever that method or that approach has panned out for someone else. And that right there. Yourself in the past, right? right? You know, a lot of times we use ourselves as a predictor of future measurement and future outcome. And the reality is that, you know, past is often, I think the past is a really good teacher. I think that is why it's so important for us to study history and to learn from our past experiences. However, our own personal past experiences, but yeah, definitely from others' past experiences. However, we have to be able to measure that against our environment and our circumstances as best we can while knowing there's always that element of uncertainty and knowing that there is no guarantee. You know, that that's another one of those things that we can guarantee in life is that there is no guarantee. Um, You know, talking about certainty and uncertainty, and, and, and you've brought up a very interesting point in regards to that is the reality of things is, you know, I could walk outside my house and get hit by a car. It could just happen, right? Or I could not wake up tomorrow, right? Or I could have a heart attack. Or, you know, I'm a cyclist. I've been cycling for six years. I found, uh, I found peace in doing that. I don't think it's, it's been about endurance as much as it's been, you know, clearing my head, really, and getting some focus and clarity around that. But you know, I've fallen off the bike. I could fall off the bike one day and never get up. I mean, there's so many things that can happen. And I think as human beings, we refuse to acknowledge that mm-hmm. because we would rather choose to live safe, right? And this is why 80% of Americans, you know, they want their paycheck so they can pay their mortgage and put gas in the tank and go buy grocery and uh, pay their electric bill and this and this, Right. That's the reality. Why? Because it's safe, right? It's safe. Paycheck comes in every two weeks, right? It's safe. You know, you got a set amount, but there's no growth in that. Right. There's no growth in that. And when you have no, no growth, this is why we have high turnover. Now, more than ever, the average America changes jobs every year. When you think about that, on average, every year an American changes a job. Most Americans, right? Why? is that because okay you're settling for safe but then you become unhappy eventually because you realize that you know what safe is not good because there's no thriving there's no growth so i i I would actually i would argue against that a little bit because i think i think it's about the balance right because we need a certain level of safety as human beings you know that we do have our base needs 
um, and our survival needs. And certainly those needs become greater if you have other people dependent on you. And some people have higher thresholds for risk. You know, people who tend to be entrepreneurs or risk takers, there's actually a gene for it, the RDR4 with the seventh allele. I have a theory that Americans have a higher percentage of that genetic uh, component mm -hmm. uh, based on our history. You know, in this country, right. the people who have emigrated here and were entrepreneurs and seeking economic, religious, other freedoms. Um, so there are people who have a higher threshold for risk. But even those people who have a pretty high, relatively speaking to others, threshold yep. for risk are still, you know, they're still adjudicating between what are their safety needs and how yep. they make sure those are met. And I think that that's really the balance. It's about how can you push that envelope just a little bit so that you have the, you know, the desired amount of creativity, growth, uh, thriving, flourishing, prospering, right. while still feeling safe enough to continue to take on a little bit more risk, right? It's right. almost like a, you know, I think of the analogy of like a pyramid. We want to make, lay the foundation. Okay, feel safe. I'm going to take a little bit more of a risk now, see what happens, and we go back and forth. Because it would be kind of irresponsible to just like take a blind risk. Like we don't just go to the top floor of a building and jump, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that we, we don't just do that blindly. However, we may take a parachute, you know, take some lessons on how to, you know, jump with the parachute. And maybe we, we if that's a risk we want to take because we're thrill seeking, we may do that. Right. But we make sure that all the necessary provisions have been, you know, provided first to do so. You, you know, this is, I mean, I'm really enjoying this conversation, especially in the direction it just took, because you mentioned some key components there that I think are so imperative to us as human beings that really translate to not just life, but also business and entrepreneurship. Like you said, even though some people have a much higher risk threshold, we still need some level of safety, like some kind of a safety net. and and. You know, for, for some of the people that used to know me, that they, they, they definitely classify me as crazy. Let's just put it that way, because I have risked so much for, for my wine purpose. And that, that has been when I started my business, Razor Sharp Digital, four years ago, which even though that was my third business venture, technically, that I risked so much, literally everything, to the point that some people even thought that I risked my family, because I so wholeheartedly believed in in the why and the purpose and knew that which my why is my family because I want to be able to provide for them and to have, especially my children to have more opportunities than I ever had because growing up as an Eastern European, you know, not, not being poor or even being in a medium class because in, 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 in a former communist country where I couldn't celebrate the holidays until I was nine years old, or you could literally be arrested or shot if you did that, then, then, that's the why, right? Uh, but, but going back to what you were talking about is this, I don't know if I necessarily thought about safety or maybe I had safety, but maybe took it for granted because I've been fortunate enough to also, you know, have family who have helped me out a lot as well. Yeah. And also I've had some fr friends who have also, you know, given me a lot of encouragement and support also at the same time. So maybe that was the safety net, you know? 
I would argue that that absolutely was your safety. And you felt like you had the support there to be able to take the risk and for you to flourish. And you also had such a strong connection to your purpose, which is another thing that I think is so essential for human beings. It's literally essential to survival. Human beings need to yeah. have a purpose. You know, Nietzsche said, he who has a why can survive anyhow. And I think that is so incredibly true uh, of all people. And I think another thing that you touched on and that is integral to just that thread is that, and it's something I think personally we're seeing a bit of a loss of in this current milieu is this mm. sense of responsibility. Because I think that, you know, a lot of times when uh, people, you can't, people can't just take a risk for no reason. That's not productive. Um, and it's not necessarily going to lead to growth. I mean, there are people who right. can learn a lesson from it. But if you have a really strong sense of responsibility, and I, I think responsibility is something that helps people to, uh, they are more able to then take risks. And it sounds ironic, right? Because a lot of people think of responsibility as being duty, obligation, dragging us down. But it's actually very much the opposite. It's what fortifies yeah. us. It's what gives us that reason to keep moving forward and it strengthens us because if we feel a sense of duty and responsibility, we are going to keep taking the risk and moving forward and, you know, really just, yeah, doing things that might be a little bit unsafe because we, we know that we, we need to, we're connected to that purpose. So. Yeah. You said something else that was very key that I wanted to touch upon. You said, we risk for a reason. You said that we, we risk for, and whether we're conscious of that or uh, unconscious, there's still a reason behind it. And, and it's a very, very important point because especially in entrepreneurship and in business, I mean, really in life too, is, you know, we, we risk for a greater purpose. Yes. The reason is a part of that greater purpose. And we risk because we wholeheartedly believe like I'm thinking, you know, some of the most successful people in the world, like they have literally changed, you know, also human culture, human interaction. I'm thinking like the Steve Jobs that has forever changed technology, right? And he was a big dreamer. He was very commonly misunderstood. I think he was fired from his own company a couple of times, even for like being very unorthodox and unconventional. But at the end of the day, he, he has left a permanent imprint in human culture. But I'm thinking about the things and, and like seeing videos about him and, and like his methodologies and, and how he just really rationalized. And you know what? That, that's, where, that's where I think it gives me hope because the crazier that you are, I mean, the crazier in the sense that, you know, a risk taker and thinking of a bigger reason, a bigger why, a big purpose the more connected you feel to yourself, the more connected you feel in terms of belonging. And I'm going to be honest with you. And I had 40 years old, personally, I feel like my life in a sense has just begun, you know, because like it's because of people like you, because of this podcast, because of past experiences, because of everything that has sort of been a huge eye opener for me. And in fact, um, I was talking to, to a friend of mine who uh, I've been working with over the last year on just getting more in tune with health and exercise and eating better. And in fact, 
nine months ago starting intermittent fasting and he said uh there's something different about your voice so this past weekend was my daughter's second birthday we had a birthday party on saturday um (laughs) thank you and um my, my i have a son who's also four years old and um you know, literally this past week was, was mainly spent, you know, uh, prepping for the party and organizing for everything and, you know, helping my wife out and making sure that everything was just right, you know. And what I realized is, is that the more connected I am with my family, with my kids, the more time I spend with them, the, the more fulfilled I am, the happier I feel. And as a result... It has actually increased my drive. It has increased my focus, my clarity, my connectivity to everything. I, because last night, literally, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm slamming a monster energy drink, and, and I'm thinking, you know what? I've got a shit ton of deadlines today that i got to knock out, and, and two podcasts, and this, and this, and this, and this. One side of me is like, you're not going to get it done. You're not going to get it done. It's way too much, and you know it. And the flip side of me is like, Fuck that. I'm getting it done. Like, I'm just, but that was a direct result because of a shift in mindset, time spent with family, you know, really solidifying my why and purpose. And I think this is what a lot of people need to really truly find themselves and be okay with who they are. Because what's really saddening, and I think COVID really exposed a lot of that, is this that how much fear people have. Like, literally, the millions of people how much fear they have. In fact, we actually had a friend who uh, didn't come to my, to, my, to my daughter's birthday party because she was afraid to be in a social environment. You know, and, and, and mind you, I also have a wife who has a very low uh, autoimmune system. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, to really put it in layman's terms is that if I get a simple cough or something, it might take me a couple of days. To get over it for her, it might take two weeks you know, because of the immune system. But you know what? Would you, would you live, would you choose to live in fear all your life? That's just it. That's just not, that's just not a productive way. That's not a, a good way to, to, to spend the days that you have on this earth because they are numbered. Every single one of our days are numbered. And I think that's what people don't understand. And maybe that's probably one of the biggest epiphanies for me personally, is that realizing that, you know what, I might not wake up tomorrow. Who knows? If I wake up tomorrow, I've already won. Mm-hmm. That, that's a major win, literally. Wake, waking up, you know, opening my eyes, and, and I know people ask me about, well, what are you grateful for? And I said, well, in the morning, when I open my eyes, my heart is beating. I know I got two hands. I got two feet. And then I turn over, and I see my daughter sleeping uh, via the monitor, and I know you know, my son is, is in his room. All is great. You know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to, to be able to even do just that. Because I, you know what? Some people won't be able to wake up tomorrow. And I think what you touched on are really the two sides of the same coin. Because I think part of the reason people experience so much fear is because there is a, a I think there's a pandemic loss of gratitude. When you're really connected to a personal sense of gratitude, um, coming from a true sense of self, 
I think you have less fear. That doesn't mean fear is ever going to be eradicated. It's human being because there's so much unknown, so much chaos, so much uncertainty. Fear is always going to be a part of our existence. However, I think when you really have a strong sense of gratitude, it, it mitigates against some of that fear because fear is really a scarcity mindset. I think so many people who are coming from this fear mindset, it's this fear of, you know, it's coming from a place of what they don't have, you know, and yeah. what they're lacking and what they're deficient in. And if you really open yourself up to what you do have and you genuinely have gratitude for that, there's less fear, I think, because you're not coming from this, look at well, all the stuff I don't have. You're saying, look at what I do have. I'm grateful for this and I want to cherish it. I want to cherish it for whatever number of days I have in order to be here and cherish that. So. Well, you know, I, this conversation could probably go endlessly. And, and before, you know, we close things up on this episode, you know, I, I wanted to leave it, leave it on that because you, that, that last part was 100% something that I can get behind on. And in, in, in fact, and a lot of people need to understand that that's key. And, and hopefully people that are listening to this episode can really, really fathom that. With that being said, how can people connect with you out in social media? What's the best way to reach out to you? I think there's many other people out there who would want to do that. So what's the best? Throw out some social handles, website, anything. Yeah. Absolutely. I would say the best place to reach me is probably on Instagram. I'm at Kinetic Quartz and um, also on Facebook at Courtney Turner. And I'm very responsive on both of those. So okay. I think that would be the best place to reach out. Yeah. Well, Courtney, this was amazing. Uh, that's, that's the only word that I can think of. And I want to thank you for, you know, taking, taking the time. And, um, you know, I appreciate everything that you share. Truly do. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, the champ is here. Swiss gears.